go. It is episode 52 of Stick to Hockey Live. Jason Martinez and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It's Bill Meltzer. Billy, how are you? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. It's um, It's been a bit of a whirlwind the last, you know, that road trip, four-game road trip. They come out of it basically with a record of one and three. Uh, they get the one win in Calgary, Bill. They get kind of punched a little bit in the first two, 6-2, 6-2 against Seattle and Vancouver, although those games look different. And then the healthy scratch of Travis Sanheim, and uh, they lose that game. Looked like they ran out of gas against Edmonton and just can't take penalties against that team. Let's start with the Sanheim um, scratch because that's kind of been met with, you know, different uh, opinions on social media about should he have been scratched? It was his hometown. That seems, you know, almost some people say, you know, that's unfair because he had family there. But I say, hey, if a player needs to be scratched, geography, all that other stuff doesn't matter. Um, the coach has to make the decision based on hockey and hockey alone. What did you think of the Sandheim scratch? Well, it was the second player that's happened with the season. Um, you know, towards it with Morgan Frost, the one game he sat this year was in Toronto, which is where his dad was the PA announcer for the Maple Leafs. He largely grew up in that building. His, his mom and dad were there that night, and um, they, they sat in that game. So, you know, it, it, you have to be consistent, right? If you're going to scratch a player, you're going to scratch the player. Um, you know, it, it's uh, – I mean, it, it was a tactic that Mike Keenan used to use on occasion. Um, you know, players – not something players generally like, of course. Players never want to sit, but, uh, you know, sitting – being sad with your with your parents in the building and in the building where you played your junior hockey, well, you know, it, it stings. No, no question, it stings. So, you know, but uh, connecting or connecting rather, sometimes a professional, and uh, it, it it didn't just happen out of the blue. And it's been based on performance, and it was you know a bit of a statement from the coach. So, you know, whether the player likes it or doesn't like it, he doesn't set the lineup. Um, you know, uh, Kevin Hayes has been scratched this season. Travis Konechny uh, was benched in a period this season, you know, leading the team in scoring. So, you know, it, it, it's part of playing part of playing for John Tortorella. Um, whether you whether you like or you don't, I mean, you're responsible for your own play ultimately. So, um, it, it's up to it's up to Sanheim to respond on an ongoing basis. And I and I didn't think he was going to come out of it in one game either. So, you know, he he didn't get into it in one game. He's not going to get out of it in one game. So. We'll, we'll see how we'll see how it goes over the rest of the season. Some will speak to malice being an intent here, Bill, because you know you mentioned Morgan Frost going to his hometown in the building he largely grew up in, while watching Leaf games with his dad there, and then you know Sandheim in Calgary where he had family, and he they don't visit Calgary very often, once a year, and then Kevin Hayes was actually suspended against his former team, the New York Rangers. But um, I suspect you know the, the, you can go okay, there's malice involved here or maybe more intent to make a bigger impression on the player. But in all three situations, those players kind of earned their way to where they were going. And it just happened to be with those kind of parallel storylines coinciding with the, with the healthy scratching. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think in the, from the coach's point of view, it's anything personal. Um, one, one thing with John Tortorella too, is although you can get in his doghouse, you, you can get out of it too. Yeah. So, um, he you always know. drops a ladder. He does. Yeah, yeah, he, he does. And and when the player performs, he, you know, he he's quick. You know, he he'll praise the player for performing. So, um, you know, there there's uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I do think, I do think, uh, well, I don't know. I don't think there's malice. I, I do think there is, uh, you know, being fully aware of what the situation is too. I, I, yeah. I you know, um, greater impact. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think if you're not, you know, like if, uh, the, the, the frost, the frost example, they could have sat him in, in Ottawa the next night. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, or, or whatever, you know, with the Sandheim, I mean, Sandheim's family's on this trip. Um, He's from Manitoba, but he plays junior hockey for Calgary, uh, as did his twin brother. His twin brother was also in, in the building that night too. Um, so, you know, and, and certainly, certainly for Hayes, anytime he plays the team he started out with, but still the majority of his career, although it's been Philly a little while now. But you know, I mean, it, it def it definitely it definitely leaves an impression on the player. But but it, it wasn't it wasn't just because of one play mm-hmm. or one game or, or whatever. I mean. There's 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 usually a number of games that builds up to it. So, you know, I I think that it, it's not it's not fatal to a relationship. I, I believe towards when he was talking about his relationship with uh, Cam Atkinson, said he scratched him a couple of times the first yeah. year together. So, yeah. you know, and then I mean, there's not there's not a bigger advocate for torts out there than than Cam is. So, yeah. I, I think it's you know the relationship evolves over time, and that's uh, that's one of those that's one of those points. Um, Torts has said many times that he doesn't mind confrontation. He thinks it can be constructive in the, in the long term, and uh, you know, and and ultimately, ultimately comes down to this: he, he's the boss. He makes the lineups, so it's up to the player to respond. Yeah, and don't put yourself in that decision zone to begin with. Um, Travis Sandheim, Bill, it's obviously of paramount importance for this healthy scratching to have the right impact on the player. Uh, moving forward, there's still a decent amount of runway left in the remainder of this season. Uh, but this is a player they just committed to at the beginning of this year to a very long extension, the max yeah. extension. And, you know, you can go, well, Sandheim or Provorov's not going to be here. I, I'm going to talk about Provorov in a minute. But um, when you look at the, the impact that Sandheim has and the way he needs to finish this season, he needs to finish this season strong. No, no question. No question. Also, also in the fact that hey, he has a no trade that kicks in on July first. Uh, yeah. Up, up, and, up until then, so the Flyers, as they make their evaluation and they're going to make a decision. Okay, do we do we stick with this for eight years? Or do we do we kind of cut bait, right? Yeah. Because that that they can do. Where he you could send him to thirty one other teams, and and come uh, you know, come July first, all of a sudden, all the all the balance of power, the tradeability shifts to. Um, if he was having a better year, it wouldn't even be a discussion. You committed to him for a reason, but but I think I think that down the stretch, it, it's important. You you want him you want him to close strong. I mean, listen, back in November when not very much was going right for the team, actually Sandheim had was playing for several weeks, very much like he did a year ago when he won the Barry Ashby Trophy, jumping yeah. into plays, a lot of confidence, you know, and, and uh, so. You know, there there have been stretches even this season where he's played pretty well for for a stretch of time. Uh, other time, other times he's played fine in his own end, but you know, but he's not he's never going to be a shutdown guy. So you re- you really need the offensive end from him too, um, and, and just you know, just just making plays, showing some confidence. Um, the the last game against Edmonton, he had one assist. It wasn't like he, he tore it up on the scoreboard. But he was a force in, in jumping into place from yeah. all three periods, and it, you know him standing out in that way. Um, 
And it, it was kind of disappointing, truthfully, that he went backwards, basically starting the next game against Nashville. Yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't just not being assertive. It was also it was also mistakes in his own end of the ice too. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I think that I think Tortorella can can live with errors of aggression as long as they're not the same mistake repeated over and over and over again. But um, you know, when when a player kind of retreats into a shell and he knows they're capable of better, that's that's when they kind of get on you know on his bad side. Um, so. I, you know, the, the Flyers absolutely need Sandheim to, to play, if if not if not to his peak form, at least close to it, at least work back towards it. Yeah. If and for another reason, for for his own confidence and and uh, you know peace of mind exiting a season. Um, and a lot of times when a player signs a big extension, that first year can be pretty tough. Yeah. Because he he feels that pressure to live up to the contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and, and when it doesn't happen the way you want it to, it, it can it can spiral downhill sometimes. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely is the case, especially when you sign it like basically on like the eve of the season. It's got a it's got a particular impact mentally on a player. And some people go, well, the impact is you got all that money guaranteed so you don't try as hard. I don't know if that's it. Sometimes I think it's more the pressure of the money. If we know hockey players, we know it's it's not a question of try. Sometimes it's a question of just getting it done. Um Proveroff, the guy that I mentioned before, Bill, he played over 27 minutes against Ving or against Calgary. And then he comes back the next night, plays over 25 minutes. And the only time that he's really gotten a lot of air in conversation from Flyer media, Flyer fans, or a whole heck of a lot, was on the Pride Night when he declined to wear the jersey in warmups. He hasn't gotten a lot of air for his play and what he's done on the ice. We know this is a guy, Bill, that's always available. I mean, and is as well-conditioned an athlete as you will find in the National Hockey League. And he's playing some pretty darn good hockey. He's not putting up eye-popping offensive numbers. I think we have to all realize that the the appointment of him as a Norris guy very early in his career that he was trending in that direction maybe is not where he's going because that is such an offensive-minded uh, award. But He's a guy I, I keep equating him to an offense, a really good offensive lineman in football. When you don't hear his name, he's probably done his job pretty damn well. And he's playing really good hockey. And that availability, coupled with the fact that he can eat 27 minutes, 22, five on five and five plus on the PK is something that's worth more than I think people are giving him credit for. No question. No question. I, I think that actually in the time since that controversy, Mm-hmm. He has played his best hockey, I would say, since 2020. Niskanen. Yep. <laughs> since Niskanen. Since Niskanen, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, he, he's been, especially especially on the defensive side of the puck, he has yeah. been breaking up so many plays, um, you know, and, and just, just in the right spot. I mean, sometimes, many, many times, score chances don't even develop because he kills, he kills it right away. Um, yeah. You know, he's been uh, – there, there was a play – actually, I don't know, on the one – one of the – one of the two penalties the Flyers killed successfully uh, against Edmonton. Um, he, he didn't want to, he didn't want to just throw the puck blindly looking for a clear. He was actually able to skate it out of trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was just, just, just a, just a heads up poised kind of a play. Um, you know, those kind of things, the goals, the goals you save are, are worth, you know, uh, particularly the role that he plays. I mean, you know, he's been, he's been really, really, really good. Uh, um, not not just not just getting minutes, but deserving those minutes too. Yeah, um, which he, he handled McDavid on a rush attempt. McDavid coming yeah. down the right side, and he had him. 
and he gave McDavid nothing. McDavid went to the bench very frustrated. We don't see that. I mean, he got wound up. He was flying. Yeah. And Provorov just stayed with him, got his hand on his hip to feel where he was going and never let him up for air on that rush attempt. And that that is not something that McDavid is used to and not many people can do. And I thought it was an excellent play, the way he capped it and stayed with him. No, no doubt. Um, also, also there were there were plays. Now, the Vancouver game kind of got away from the Flyers, but there, there were stretches <laughs> of that game where, you know, Patterson was, was dancing around and, and mm-hmm. probably right with him. Right with him. Great, great green plays up with a stick. Very, 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 he- very heavy stick and very quick stick, and and the, and almost always in the right position. I mean, he's he's put together a very good stretch of hockey for really a solid month now. Yeah, and to me, he's one of those guys. Be careful, you know, wishing he gets traded because he creates an enormous hole with his absence if he were to get moved from yeah. just from the availability, the minutes, and everything else. I. I to me oh sure sure and, and okay if you trade the player all right how do you replace those minutes and at what cost yeah right? are you better with the replacement are you, are you a, a better are you a better team for doing yeah it? right so mm. it, it's not a it's not an easy decision to make if you're making it it has it has to be the right trade it's not it, it this isn't this is not a case of addition by subtraction no. i mean from a hockey perspective it, it, it's hard to do but one of the things I really outlined in today's Flyers Daily um, was Joel Farabee. Now, Farabee, he, he, I think he – I'm gonna. I'm supposed to talk to Torts today uh, for tomorrow's Flyers Daily and Hocking <laughs> Hounds, but I, I think he may have dodged a bullet being the next player to be healthy scratched, playing 352 in the Calgary game, down a forward for the end of the second period and all of the third, and – I think the reason he dodges the bullets because Konechny doesn't isn't able to go against Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Farabee's been more down than up this season, based on what we know. He scored 20 goals in 55 games in the 2020-21 season, and he's a player that you know got the contract. We lauded the contract because it could be tremendous value, but this year he hasn't lived up to it. Now he had his surgery, I think, on June 24th when it came as a bit of a surprise. He hurt himself in training for the season. But I think we have to also realize that this player was not able to train for the year, was not supposed to come back until Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving, started out the season on the team, never able to kind of look like he's been playing catch up with his game, with his his conditioning, with every element of it this year. And I think we have to be understanding of that fact that, you know, an injury and not being able to prepare for a year really does not put the player in an ideal position for success. And I compared his numbers to Eichel right after he had it numbers and Eichel's numbers still aren't where they were prior uh, as a point plus point per game player. And then I looked at Claude Giroux going into his 29 year old season when he had 58 points and everybody was saying, as he's in his upper twenties, he's trending down. He won't age well in this league. And then when he had an off season to train again, he came back with a one Oh two and is still, putting up good numbers at 34, 35 years of age. So, um, you know, make, I I know people like to make the grandiose statements because of the moment of a a player's in at that particular time, but this is still a really young player and this is going to end up being a frustrating season for him, but he's got to use what happens this season to train harder for next year and hopefully not have to deal with any, you know, recurrence of injury and rehab from any kind of off season, you know, procedure that he might get done yeah and remember last year was a pretty injury 
plague year for him too. Mm-hmm. Had a couple shoulder, couple shoulder things, and it just, you know, he was he wasn't quite right in the second half of that season. Um, very very delicate kind of surgery he had. I mean, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, I know a couple players have had it, but it, but it, it's something that just just from a strength perspective and a confidence perspective too. I mean, it, it can take it can take a calendar year. It really can. Um, so, you know, you, you do have to put it in, in, in a certain perspective. And, and, you know, it's funny, too, I, I guess because of that, what the expectations were going in. But you can look at, uh, you know, you, you can look at Owen Tippett, who we all agree is taking another step forward this year. Agreed. He and Fabry don't really, don't really have a big difference in their point production this year. It's actually pretty close. Yeah. Um, now, Fabry's not scoring. He hasn't been a consistent threat by any means. You know, and, and he's one of the guys they were counting on for certainly more than he's produced. But it, but it's funny how it's funny how similar numbers can look pretty different. Even 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 though Farabee's Farabee's is actually the youngest forward that they have. Mm-hmm. You know, he still is. He, he he's a year younger than Tippett, a year younger than Frost. You know, um, so and and a year younger than Cates. So, you know, so he's he's still just 22 years old this season. So you know, there, there's there's plenty of, there's plenty of time for him to bounce back. Um, but yes, it, it, it's crucial that he have a, a good off season. It's crucial that he, that he rebuilds some strength and, and um, you know, there, there've been pockets of the season where I don't think he's ever really, even though there've been stretches of the year where he's scored and, and, and you know, and put together a couple little streaks, including at the beginning of January, I thought he was starting to look close to back to where he was. And then he's kind of had a kind of backslid since then, but, but I, I think there have been pockets of the season, parts of games, where you know he looks like the player, player we grew familiar seeing. The, the guy who's always around the puck, you know, with just just very good instincts and, and uh, creating some chances and, and you know getting scoring chances, willing willing to shoot the puck, piling up a decent number of shots. I thought, you know, I, I thought that actually, considering how little he played in Calgary and the need for him to play more minutes because, because he's one guy who had fresher legs. I mean, th- that was a yeah. very grueling game in, in Calgary. Uh, as you said, that they were, it was Konechny's injury, but even after Konechny's injury, they were playing with nine forwards. Yeah. They, Cause look, Sal Bell barely played. Yeah. So, so the, so, you know, so two forwards barely played and one get, gets injured. I mean, they, there was a need for him to play more minutes. And I thought he had a, I thought he had a, a better game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a step, right? You have you have to keep taking those steps. But that's been when we, you know, we were doing doing Flyers Daily over the week and talking about the biggest disappointments of the season. You know, I I think that it was Konechny and Sanheim with the, with the two names that we we put out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, Farabee, even you know, okay. uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the only thing the only thing disappointing with you know <laughs> with Konechny is that he's injured. Yeah, and they had yeah because at some at some point there was going to be. A, yeah, you know, a little bit of a slump, but no, 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 but, but, uh, but fat, yeah, Farabee and Sandheim are, are the two names we put out as the disappointments this season. So with a, with a quarter of the season to go, it would be nice to see him finish strong. Even if, even if he doesn't put up great numbers over that stretch, just looking more like himself. Bill, we're now eight days away from the deadline. It's going to be March 3rd, a week from tomorrow. And we are seeing some movement around the NHL. It's a pretty significant movement. You know, guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko. We're seeing some big names 
we haven't heard much out of Flyerland just yet. And I saw in Fridge's 32 Thoughts, the, the written column this week, that he mentioned the Flyers are looking for centers. And he's Fridge's said this verbally a bunch of times on 32 Thoughts, the podcast, and has written it that they're looking for centers. Are they looking to make a center deal in season? Is there a reason why Fridge keeps repeating the they're looking for centers? To me, it's concerning because um, – it, to me, I'm looking at that going, if you're looking for centers, is the news on Couturier not nearly as optimistic as it once was? Yeah. Is there new information that we don't know yet, that they know yet, and that's the reason why they're looking for centers? And Because I find it odd that they're looking for centers in season in a year of where they should be selling. Yeah, yeah. And and, and if you're looking for although, – although we, although we moved back to center last game, but uh, Hayes, they, have, yeah. they have Hayes in a wing. If, if you're that desperate for centers, you can always play Hayes in the middle. He's spent most of his career there. Um, you know, long term, uh, and this goes back. This goes back a number of years. I mean, I know Dylan Larkin is a player they've always loved. Yeah. You know, um, check, you know, checks quite a few boxes. But you know, but then then you get into the the whole cost benefit analysis too. I I I don't see them being. I mean, you can be both a buyer and a seller. Um, I mean, I think I think the best example of that was was that disastrous 0607 season. But yeah. before the end of that season, they now Cobra is bringing a young player, but they also brought in Marty Biron, yeah, and, which led to know, Danny Briere, <laughs> which, which, which led directly to Danny Briere, and also a pretty good run, pretty good run for Marty as the starter for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Too. So yeah, you know, so they were both buying and selling at the same time. Um, so you know, I, I think. Um, you know, it's possible to do both, but it's, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the problem right now is when you're trying, you see, you see what it would have cost Ottawa to unload Zadorov. When you're yeah. trying to create cap space, I mean, teams, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny that, that uh, in, just because of the circumstances of the times, cap space and, and draft picks are worth more than NHL players in some cases. Yeah. Because many because cases. draft picks are cheap, and yeah. they're currency, and yeah, cap space is what it's all about, no doubt. Um, yeah, I mean, I, every time I read that or hear Freed say that they're looking yeah. for centers, it sends a shiver up my spine. That number fourteen, I don't know. We should get. We'll, we'll probably hear from Chuck in the next week. Uh, probably, you know, at, certainly right around the deadline. But we'll see where that goes. That, but that keeps well, sending a shiver up my spine. And and and, and along those lines. And we don't we we don't know. I, I you know I, I you and I are, are both in the loop on, on quite a few things. I, I personally have not heard any updates on Sean. Me it's neither. gone quiet. Yeah, it's gone quiet. I know people um, like to read into what we say or what we think sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but as yeah. being the, the, people insist that you and I put out these things like called like test balloons, like right. messaging for the organization. I will tell you that I have never, yeah, nor my kids' eyes been asked to put out some kind of test balloon information or given information with that intent. Never. <laughs> no. Yeah, we're, we're we're reading tea leaves, basically yeah. what, every, what everybody's doing. Um, and reading these tea leaves uh, based upon this, that we, we were talking, you know, for, for the beginning of this process with Couturier about maybe a March return. Well, he hasn't he hasn't even done non-contact practice at this point, and yeah. practice time is scarce. And while he's skated on his own, it hasn't reached an intensity level or frequency yet where where you can tell a player is close to returning. Yeah, yeah. And so, as James points out here on our stream, that uh, yeah. he skated today, but but, but again, skating. 
Yeah. yeah, he's been skating. And and that's the thing. And, you know, you just keep hearing that they're looking for centers. And I go, yeah. okay, are they looking for centers because they'd rather put Cates on the wing? Are they looking for centers because they're seeing Cutter Gauthier long-term and saying, well, he might, he'd be a better power forward as winger, you, you know, or is it, Hey, they're looking for centers because they're always looking for centers. <laughs> you know, centers <laughs> just have tremendous value. I don't know, but it kind of freaks me out. Um, Bill, I know you're dealing with uh, a sick kid. I can hear, hear her coughing a little bit in the background. So we hope she feels better. We'll let you get back to her. Uh, thanks for doing this today. As always, we appreciate it. Great stuff. And uh, we'll talk soon. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. There he is, Bill Meltzer, uh, called into duty today. His daughter's getting a little bit of a cough, and it is, it's still that time of year in a, in a lot of cases. But uh, we thank Bill for joining us, as always, and uh, we need centers, man. It's freaking me out. Let's get to a little something we do on the show every week. We make you money. Well, we don't make you money. Tone makes you money. Time for another edition of Tone's Takes. for another edition of tones takes tone we're getting closer and closer to two things a the deadline and then b the final kind of remainder of the regular season and the push to the playoffs you know when you look at futures at this time of year i imagine it's a little wonky in the sense that you don't know what teams are going to add and you don't know what teams are going to need to get into the playoffs down the stretch yeah, for sure. Especially like in the East. This time last year, the East, the playoff teams were decided. It was just positioning that was up for grabs. Now there's, you know, there's four or five teams on the bubble. Like, you don't know. I mean, the only thing that's probably decided is Toronto's. We're going to face Tampa Bay in the first round again. <laughs> Home ice has to be decided there. I mean, you know, everything else, even Jersey is, is kind of, you know, on Carolina's heels. I mean, Boston's going to win win the East. But, you know, the, the bubble teams like Pittsburgh, Washington, are they going to make it? Buffalo, Florida, are they going to, you know, rise up? Like, it's it, it's great. It's so much different than last year. So, yeah, yeah. exciting. You know, last year, the, the top eight in the East was determined, God, with so much remaining on the schedule. And then the the East versus the West this year, the East has dominated the West for the most part. I think only two teams in the Eastern Conference have a losing record against the West. I can't even yeah. figure out why that is. <laughs> I mean, I look at I look at California and I go, okay, I get that part of the equation, but geez, pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. nuts. Uh, <laughs> let's get to your plays uh, for this week uh, on Tone's Takes. Dimers is uh, where your plays are on at Tone's Takes on Twitter as well. Ovechkin is back. We talked about OV being out last week and the effect it could have on Kuznetsov, but he returns mm-hmm. and you like him over one and a half points here getting plus money. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of emotion here in this game for Ovechkin playing the first time playing since his father unfortunately passed. Um, everything else on him is juiced. Four and a half shots on goal is minus 140. No, thank you. Score goal is minus 125. No, thank you. So I'm going to get him to go over over a point and a half at plus 146. Um, still would like a little bit better number on over a point and a half, but for Ovechkin in this situation, um, I'm definitely on it. The Ducks give up the most goals per game on the road at 4.2. Caps have only scored six goals since the break in nine games. I think this is a breakout game. He's going to give this team such a lift and, you know, he's, he's going to be involved tonight shooting the puck, um, dishing out. So I, I like the, I like the value of this play over a point and a half at plus 146. 
Yeah, the other part of it, he's a rise to the occasion type player. They're playing at home against the worst team in the league in the Ducks. He's gonna he's gonna eat tonight for sure. Um, one of those yeah. other teams that you know gives up a lot of goals is the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, second most goals they give up in the NHL. They got St. Louis tonight in St. Louis, and obviously the Blues have made some moves here, toned down the stretch uh, to sell, but. A lot of times, a lot of pressure comes off a team when you do that, and you can play loose, and you can uh, punch some good numbers in. And the Blues right now, uh, you like them tonight in this game, and you like the over in the game. Yeah, I like the over seven plus one twenty three. Um, don't want to lay the juice on the six and a half, so I'm going to go over seven at plus money. Vancouver has eleven straight overs on the road. They're uh, twenty two and five to the over this season on the road. Twelve of those games have gone over seven goals. Uh, so it's a good spot here for the, for this game to, you know, get a little alternate line at plus money. The Blues have been the, a good fade all year as far as the over goes. They're 16-9 to the over at home. Bennington just has been terrible for them. Um, and like you said, they're playing, they should be able to start playing a little bit more Lucy Gusina if they, you know, made these deals. Um, another play on this game, if, you, if you're interested, Vancouver first period. Um, overs on the road, they're 26 and three to the one and a half on the road this season. So I actually, I took them the other night against Nashville in the first period. Didn't get there. The game over still got there, but with the stat like that, you know, it could be a good play in this game. If you, you know, if you either want to lay the juice on the one and a half or go with an alternate at two at plus money. Wow. Um, yeah. And if you push, you push, you know, it's better than a loss. And to get the plus money. Um, Bruins tonight are in Seattle. It seems like every team on the eastern seaboard is visiting Seattle over the last uh, week to 10 days. Tonight, it's the Bruins in Seattle. You got a three-way here? Yeah, I like Boston in regulation, minus 108. I mean, there's not many teams that beat in Boston this year. Seattle was one of them in Boston, and they shut them out 3 nothing. So, I think the Bruins are going to be up for this game. You know, I mentioned last week, I'm just I'm not high on the Seattle team. They got burned last week. The Flyers, uh, that was a tough game for them in that loss. But I think Boston's going to come in here and take care of business tonight. No question about it. So here's the three plays. Tones takes for this week. Ovechkin over a point and a half at plus 146. St. Louis, that game uh, with Vancouver, over seven at plus money, plus 123. And then that Boston three-way at minus 108. People can get your stuff at Dimers and where else, Tone? Imers and then uh, on Twitter at Tone Stakes, I'll have more plays today. It's a nice, uh, nice looking card tonight. So it's a beefy card tonight, too. A lot of games on the card tonight. I yep. like it when there's a lot of action happening around the National yep. Hockey League. Tone, great stuff as always. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. There he is. Tone's takes another edition here on Stick to Hockey Live. Everybody, enjoy the hockey tomorrow. Flyers are going to be taking on La Hobby Hunt, the Montreal Canadiens, Friday night. Uh, so enjoy that and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll talk to you tomorrow in a brand new edition of Stick to Hockey Live. Thanks, everybody. You know he's clean, oh don't you see?